Welcome to another edition of San Joaquin Spotlight, a public affairs broadcast airing on CMAC, Fresno and Clovis. We're also on radio in the Central Valley, Talk Radio 1550 KXEX. On this program, we're going to be learning a little bit about the indigenous communities in Mexico and an organization here in the Valley that's dedicated to helping the indigenous communities. Our guest is Dr. Sarait Martinez. She is the executive director of an organization called Bionational Center for the Development of Oaxacan Indigenous Communities. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. So the, your title sounds cool in Spanish as well. So I want to give you the opportunity because I, I, I couldn't pronounce it as it's written on your website as well. So what, what do you call your organization? Yes. So uh, our original name or our name of the organization is, is in Spanish. And you did a great job. You know, that's the translation we use. But it's Centro Binacional para el Desarrollo Indígena Oaxaqueño. So that's CBDIO for short. So you, your organization has been around for a while. You're fairly new. Congratulations. You just got appointed in September. Is that right? Yes. Last September, I became uh, the executive director. But, you know, like I'm not new to the organization. I work with Centro Binacional about eight years ago as I was graduating from Fresno State and worked there for about three years and then left the organization and now came back again uh, in this new role. So I've been, I've been working with the organization for a while now. And your organization, I read in one of your reports that you did outreach to 26,000 indigenous uh, community members. Uh, your organization is really dedicated to helping this community. So what is it that you exactly do? Yes, uh, you know, so we have been around since 1993. We uh, were, uh, you know, and, and continue to be the only Indigenous-led organization uh, here in the Central Coast, in the Central Coast of California, and also in the Central Valley. So we, uh, our first office has been and always been in Fresno, uh, and we have grown uh, in, in, and gone through like waves uh, through the years, uh, but we're strongest in, in Fresno and Madeira. Um, and what we do, our mission is really to foster and strengthen the civic participation, economic, social, and the cultural development of indigenous communities, as well as their resistance. So all of our services that we have are really tailored to the language and the culture of our communities. Because as, as you know, we're, uh, Mexico is a multilingual, multicultural nation. It's not just about Spanish speaking communities. So I, I know, and I have friends who, after the Armenian genocide, settled in Mexico and in Mexico City. And I, I know that there's a lot more uh, different uh, community members in Mexico. And, and although Spanish is the predominant language, I know that there are other languages spoken. And I'll tell you a little story about how I learned about the indigenous communities um, in Mexico or from Mexico is... When I used to work at United Way, we did a financial, we were doing financial education and someone came up to me and said, you know, you're doing them in Spanish and English. Have you considered doing them in 
a language that's spoken by the Mixteco population or Mixtec population. And I had never heard of that before. So, you know, of course, once you hear something like that, you're like, okay, tell me more. And so they told me about this group, that indigenous community that had been or have been in Mexico for thousands of years. And that's how I learned about it. So, you know, do you, in, in your work, do you find that people don't really know about the indigenous communities in Mexico? Yes, yes. I think, it, you know, it's it's definitely something that when you find, you know, like it's, it's always assumed that by being Mexican, you speak Spanish. And uh, that is really a misconception, you know, in Mexico itself. Uh, our communities speak 68 uh, that are registered indigenous languages. That is a lot of, you know, like diversity within the, the um, Mexico. And in Oaxaca alone, you know, we have multiple languages, uh, 16 different languages uh, that are unique. Uh, and within those languages, we have multiple variants of those languages. Uh, so it is uh, very, uh, again, rich uh, in linguistic and cultural um, differences and values. Uh, but something that we have is that, unfortunately, that assumption of everyone speaks Spanish really impacts community members when getting information, like you said, you know, like even uh, the education on like financial literacy. But, you know, it comes with COVID, you know, when is life of that like situation that we find that oftentimes our community is not getting information in their language uh, for them to be protected and prepared. And that's when CBDIO comes in to play to really support uh, getting that information and also ensuring that, you know, we also hold our, you know, institutions accountable to make sure that they provide the language support that we need and our communities need. So you're in Fresno, you're in Madeira, but I noticed that you're also in several other communities. So it's not just really a two city program you operate. You're trying to reach folks in a, in a big territory. Exactly. Yes. Like uh, my life is between the Central Coast and the Central Valley. Uh, because we have, you know, like our communities uh, in the communities that we work with our farm worker communities that uh, like work in the more predominant areas, which is, you know, the North Coast, you know, my parents are farm workers uh, in the Salinas area. And, you know, so sometimes like I'm, I'm here and I'm in Fresno because that's where uh, we have offices. We have offices in the what is the Monterey County and office in Salinas and in Greenfield and office in Madera and in Fresno, but our work really gets all the way to Kern, uh, uh, all the way to, to Madera, Merced County. So we, we do um, outreach because we have community all across uh, those regions working in the fields and in other sectors. So do we have, and I don't know if you know the numbers, so I don't wanna put you on the spot, but do we have a large population of community members here in the Valley who are from Mexico, but are from the indigenous communities in Mexico. Yes, we do. You know, unfortunately, like you mentioned, our efforts have really been about visibilizing our community because even when you fill out the census or any other demographic like questions, it's always about being like Hispanic, Latino. So there's really not, you know, data that we have, which is something that we're trying to figure out how to how to fix it. 
because then that um, like doesn't help when we try to push for change and for addressing the needs that we have, because we don't really have the data. Uh, but there was a study, which is a little bit old, uh, back in 2089, that was conducted uh, among farm workers specifically. And that study documented 165,000 indigenous farm workers in, uh, in, in the fields across the state. Uh, the Central Coast being the number one place where community you know, lives and also the second place, the Central Valley. Um, we do know also through our work in Centro Binacional that you know, even though our name says uh, you know, Oaxacan indigenous communities, the reality is that you know, we have uh, migration continues to change, there's different waves and we have in work right now with a lot of indigenous communities from the state of Guerrero. Uh, and through our outreach, we have found people from other states like, you know, Hidalgo or like Chiapas, uh, Guatemala, you know, from Central America that now we've seen another group of, uh, of indigenous folks, not just from Mexico, but from Central America. So there's, there's a huge diversity in the Central Valley about indigenous communities that not just speak Mixteco or Zapoteco or Triqui, but like MAM uh, or other uh, indigenous languages that we are not really thinking about it uh, or even like institutions are not thinking about it. I think we made a lot of progress of people recognizing, you know, Oaxacan indigenous communities, but there's a, there's more than that uh, that I, that I'm, that we're also trying to make sure that we're highlighting. So, Oaxaca, you've mentioned Oaxaca a couple of times, and I've mm-hmm. seen a few restaurants with Oaxaca, the name Oaxaca. So, explain a little bit to our audience: Is Oaxaca a state? And 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 talk a little bit about Oaxaca. Yes, uh, so Oaxaca is uh, a, a state in southern Mexico. So um, it is um, close uh, in weird uh, neighbors with Guerrero uh, in Chiapas, uh, in Veracruz. And we have, like as I mentioned, you know, 16 different indigenous languages that are uh, currently spoken in Oaxaca. And all of them have uh, multiple, um, are unique in, in language and culture. Uh, you know, I'm myself, an indigenous Zapotec, uh, and you know, our staff are, uh, belong to uh, many different uh, indigenous groups, uh, like Mixtecos, Triquis, uh, you have, we have Tlapanecos, uh, Muscos. There's, there's a huge diversity within our staff that um that you know that come from from Oaxaca or other state like Guerrero so I was watching a video on YouTube and I saw some beautiful woven carpets and they had beautiful colors and the person said that this is you know traditional Zapotec so when we're talking about the indigenous communities I mean are we talking about like work that they've done with their hands with beautiful colors what can you educate our audience about colors and and just that aspect of the indigenous communities yeah I mean uh there's something to know uh you know I I think it's uh often I believe you know and it has been in kind of this this colonized mind that 
you know, indigenous communities, uh, you know, are ignorant or don't know, or, you know, they need civilization or, you know, has been even in Mexico with the policies of uh, that the government has is for us to forget our language and our culture. But as indigenous communities, we're uh, deeply connected to the earth, to nature. And, you know, there's no coincidence that we work in the fields. Uh, you know, we know how to work the land. That's what we know how to do. And, and, and that's what we do. Uh, so I do think that um, there's a lot of knowledge that has, uh, you know, been passed on through generation that not a lot of people know, but, um, you know, the colors that initiated the culture, uh, it, it's all related to nature and connected to nature uh, on how, you know, before colors existed, you know, they use plants and, and bugs to make colors and, and, to, and to do that. So I think things have evolved, but, you know, as indigenous uh, uh, communities, we have uh, many cultural knowledge uh, that comes way before, you know, we knew Spanish or, you know, like all of the, you know, Western world civilization came, came to us because we were, you know, experts already in astrology and uh, medicine, you know, and, and all of uh, architects, you know, we had all of those knowledges that you know um, continue until now, but they're just like ways of seeing the world differently that it's not recognized uh, by Western culture. I, you know, I think it's great that you yourself actually come from an indigenous community. Talk about some, I mean, I don't want you to, to tell us all of the secrets of the culture, but talk about some unique things or things that maybe you've seen your grandma do, or, you know, your family do that, you know, is part of this indigenous community and history? Yeah, I mean, you know, I feel like there's a lot that makes our communities who we are right now so deeply connected, you know, even when we are away from, from you know, our place that give birth to us, uh, is a lot of that uh, network and connections. And we have a word uh, called tequio, uh, you know, now it's, you know, used in, in Spanish, but it is really means collective work. Uh, and I think we see that with the communities that we work and how deeply connected we are to each other and how do we support each other too, you know, in, in times of crisis, uh, we are there for each other. And, you know, like work is, uh, it's always done collectively. So I think um, that is important. Uh, the other thing that we have uh, helped that we has been passed down from uh, generation is is our belief and you know our cultural traditions of how do we take care of each other, uh, you know, and uh, the combination from our uh, traditions of how do we take care to each other is what the Western medicine, you know, is not um, strange for us to, you know, if I'm feeling sick, to drink teas, uh, you know, that are made within uh, or that come the herbs that comes from our communities and, and do that and combine that with me uh, Western medicine or, um, you know, practice that before going to the doctor. Um, so I think that is an important aspect to 
for you know our health professionals to understand and how to better serve the community and that we're really like you know oral uh, folks that like to talk on stories and you know when we go to the doctor where it's you know because here you know one because we have a shortage of, of doctors in the Central Valley but you know the health system is just like so fast about going getting your symptoms and getting something prescribed and leave you know in our communities we want to talk about how I got a stomach pain you know what I ate what mm-hmm. like it's really about storytelling and like telling you know what happened and how I got sick and I think you know that's one of the issues that we have seen a lot and we have worked with uh, many health professionals for them to understand uh, you know our cultures and our traditions and how that uh, could like understanding could help uh, you know, better systems for them to better serve us. You are listening to San Joaquin Spotlight, a public affairs broadcast airing on CMAC, Fresno, and Clovis, and also airing on Talk Radio 1550 KX, EX in the Central Valley. We're talking to an organization called the Bionational Center for the Development of Oaxacan Indigenous communities. Our guest is the executive director, Dr. Sarait Martinez, and we're really talking about the indigenous communities that that are here in our valley from Mexico. I want to ask you, Dr. Martinez, about food. We all love it. It smells, some foods smell delicious, and different cultures have delicious food. So in any of the indigenous communities, I know that, you know, we've mentioned three or four of them here, but in any of the indigenous communities that you know, can you talk about their food? I mean, what is it that uh, highlight one of their food or two of their food items? Yeah, I mean, yes. Uh, One of the, I'm like, I'm thinking, which one should I highlight? (laughs) I think uh, from Oaxaca, it's very known that we have multiple like ways of the mole. And mole is a traditional food uh, for us. And depending on what region you go to and in Mexico and Oaxaca, no, if you go to uh, even within within regions, you know, the Zapotec region that uh, our mole in the Central Valley may be different from the Sierra, uh, you know, and it's uh, it may be sweet uh, or not spicy. But if you go to the Mixteco region, the mole is a lot more spicy like that you know but it's still delicious but it it is completely different so depending where you go you'll find the mole that is that it may be different and I think that's the beauty of it uh the the mole and we have other uh traditional foods that you know we made with corn uh that is like it may not be as popular uh, you know, in, in spaces like a restaurant from Oaxacan culture, but there's there's other um, indigenous uh, food that we eat uh, that you can only find at homes uh, because it, it was, you know, it, it's really just made for special occasions and, and things like that. But the mole, you won't go wrong with mole. So a few more questions and I'll let you go, Dr. Martinez. So what are some challenges moving forward, looking in the future? I mean, your organization has done a great job. You know, your report said that you've done outreach to 26,000 people from the indigenous community. And we know that, like like you said earlier, I'm glad you mentioned it, 
we don't really know the exact numbers because we don't really go more detail about indigenous communities. It's, you know, I see Hispanic all the time on, on documents. And so what are some challenges in the future? Yeah, I mean, I do feel like we um, we have, you know, we continue to struggle with the same challenges that we did when we started, you know, the fact that folks are not getting information in their language, uh, which I think is becoming and proven to be a lot more critical with, you know, the climate crisis, with COVID, uh, you know, with other natural disasters that we need to be prepared. So I think that we have, uh, you know, a task moving forward and ensuring that we are being uh, more, um, you know, not just for the indigenous communities. I think, you know, in Fresno and the Central Valley, we have a very diverse community, uh, not just from indigenous backgrounds, but other backgrounds that I think is important too, to continue to push to be more inclusive and to provide that language support and the language access uh, for, for everyone. And then the other thing right now, we're seeing a lot more uh, youth and kids going through school as well you know, and I think, you know, we're still not ready in the educational piece to, to ensure that we're teaching about our culture and our language, that we are, uh, you know, continue um, to uh, promote, you know, our culture and our language. And many of our uh, younger folks, you know, are either forgetting their culture and their language or reclaiming that and defining what it means to be indigenous for them as well. So there's there's a lot of uh, kind of shifts that are happening within our community and it will be interesting to see, you know, how our indigenous youth and kids, you know, second generation are, are continue to navigate, you know, the systems and, you know, in a different place that, uh, that where, you know, the parents were born. So I think it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot interesting how, you know, we're, we're moving forward. A few more minutes on the program. I want to ask you why, why should the community care? I mean, I, I, it sounds like a tough question and I ask it because I like to instigate. Um, why, why should we care? Like, you know, some people we're so busy in life that we're going through the motions, we're working full time. You know, it's easy for us to forget our heritage. It's easy for us to forget our culture, our language. Why should we care? I mean, why, should, why, why do you care so much about this? Yeah, I mean, I do feel like, you know, we... Um, if we don't care, and I was going to ask, like, why shouldn't we care? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, that there is a whole different world that you see when you know your language and your culture. And I think it makes us, uh, you know, it, it provides a different lens to see the world. And to be honest, you know, to the pace that we're going and the climate crisis and what we're doing to the earth, like the way to go about it is coming back to our culture and our language that was practiced with our indigenous communities uh, in terms of how we protected the land and, and earth. Uh, but, you know, with our language and our culture, we have a different world that we're able to see and not being able to, to learn our language and our culture 
culture, I think it, 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 it makes us disappear, you know, and we don't want to disappear. You have folks that speak the culture, their language now, and, you know, that's over, uh, you know, 525 years of resistance, you know, since the Spaniards came and, and conquered or killed our, you know, our community that we continue to resist and to speak that language. So that language, we don't want it to disappear. Our culture, we don't want it to disappear because we have survived borders, you know, made mm -hmm. borders and, you know, we continue to resist. So I think it's important to continue to hold to our language, our culture and whatever makes, you know, folks indigenous at this point and how they want to define and, and navigate that. Perfect way to end the program, Dr. Martinez. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You have been listening to San Joaquin Spotlight, a public affairs broadcast airing on CMAC, Fresno and Clovis, and also Talk Radio 1550, KXEX. Our guest had been Dr. Sarait Martinez. She's the executive director of an organization called the Bionational Center for Development of Oaxacan Indigenous communities. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tune in next week to a new edition.